the world of man to mean anything. Man must own the world. To this end, he hath fought ever to raise himself through conflict, to grow rich through conquest. And when the dust of battle settles, it is ever the strong who dictate the fate of the weak. Welcome back to Furry Dashi Pod. My name is Lauren and I'm Hill with the wonderful Nicholas. I am here too. <laughs> yeah, we're both here together. Um, this is going to be an exciting episode because we're going to talk about something near and dear and blessed to my heart. And Final my heart Fantasy. as well, actually. <laughs> to both our hearts, I finally convinced Nicholas to buy the game. It also helped, but it was 60% off. This it is <laughs> Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy 14. 14. Yeah, so, like, I don't know how this happened, but for some reason, 14 has become this, like, thing recently, where, like, a lot of streamers, particularly, like, WoW streamers, or, like, dis- dis- uh, disenchanted WoW streamers, and then also, like, journalists complaining on Twitter, everybody seems to be either harassed by Final Fantasy 14 or has become recently interested in it, so we thought we would just record an episode in which we talked about our own experiences and how that's played out. And I finally bought the game. And he, no, he just bought the game. That's why. Don't let what? him rule you in with your <laughs> our real our real purpose here. I had this weird thing where, like, I've been playing the trial basically since November. I think, like, either October or November, and I refused to buy the full version of the game. So, for those of you who aren't aware, Final Fantasy fourteen, as of August of two thousand and twenty, yeah. um, because of the COVID pandemic, but also just I think in general as an amazing marketing ploy, yeah. Um, have a free trial that is not uh, time-driven. They have no. a free trial that is content-driven, right? Now, what this means is that you can play MMO, this MMO RPG, critically acclaimed, multiple game awards, uh, all the way up to the most extreme uh, pack of Heaven Sword. So it is a bit, like, content-driven. Yeah. Uh, but for as long as you want, yeah. for as much as you want, yeah. As long as you you they're capped at level sixty because that's the Heaven Sword expansion, and you yeah. pay until you get to the Heaven Sword expansion. I have to let you know that if you try to do everything in the game until you get to the Heaven Sword expansion, you will be spending over hundreds and hundreds of hours to do so. You'll be yeah, spending you'll... less time if you're on, yeah. say, a free server or a server that has a lower population. Yeah. Um. But so everyone is clear, like the free trial of Heaven Sword. Like, all the way up until that first expansion is, like, someone telling you you can play World of Warcraft, like, completely base game free for all of, like, the Azeroth pieces, completely for free, for as long as you want, forever. Yeah. 
I mean, it's there a are, free game. This is a new free to play model. There are some restrictions. Like there, there are a lot of aspects of the base game that you are restricted from. Like there is a, there's a gill limit. There's a money limit. Um, there is also a limit on like social interactions. Like you can't form parties. You yeah, can't no, tell. There's, there's no social because <laughs> yeah. you can't farm gill. You can't buy gill. It's yeah. all the real money transactions. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a free trial that you can play by yourself if you want this amazing single-player experience with limited group activity. It is a completely 100% free game that you can also play on older laptops from yeah. behind the scenes, like from 2012, 2013. If you have a laptop that is super, super old, you can play Final Fantasy fourteen. Now, I am also going to give some cute industry background for this. <laughs> Triple A secret. I used to work at Square Enix. Knowledge. No, JK, it's not secret. It's all public. No, it's not. Really <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to be here. Oh, you should have acted um, like it was secret. It was so that secret. So cool. No, I, I have to disclaimer as well because you're not actually allowed to publicly do any yeah, industry you could trade get sued. secrets. This yeah, is, yeah. I could get sued. This is not an industry trade sequence. Um, this is actually instead an advert for everyone playing Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, Square Enix is an amazing company and everyone should buy Final Fantasy XIV. All right. Now that we've gotten that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll go cash that check, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> no, we are not sponsored by anybody. Please sponsor us. Somebody please sponsor us. Oh my gosh, Final Fantasy fourteen. please sponsor us. We will stream you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, really. Anyway, uh, so for this free episode, um, we want to, or for the for this episode, this week's episodes, um, in for this AAA practical, I guess, thing. Anyway, yeah. my knowledge is that Square Enix's engine is old AF. Okay? Yes, it is. It is super old. When I say super old, I'm not talking like, oh, it's like five or six years. Like, And Unreal Engine is old, okay? Unreal Engine is actually around from, I think, the 80s or early 90s. Even 90s, before then, really. 90s. 90s? 90s from yeah. Unreal Tournament. Okay, yeah. it was Unreal Tournament first. Then it became an engine, right? And it was the Unreal Development Kit. They put more and more effort into that. And the Unreal Engine we know today is Unreal Engine 5. And it's really advanced, right? Yeah. When I say Square Enix Engine's old, I mean Square Enix Engine is from the 90s. And when I say it's from the 90s and it's had some, you know, uh, like editings to it, I still mean that it's from the 90s. I worked in a non-Square Enix engine um, back at my previous employer. That engine was also from the 90s. That engine did not run or render at 64-bit on a monitor. Nope. 64-bit. It only ran at 32-bit. This is really important, even if you don't know technology, because everything is at 64 now. Let's just get... Yeah, if you own a PC, if, your operating system is 64-bit. Yeah, if you own a PC, your operating system is 64-bit. If you own a gaming console, your your operating system is 64-bit. Yep. Um, 32-bit is like the Game Boy Advanced. If you remember what a Game Boy is, children... Uh, anyway, this is really, really important. There are still, there are still Game Boys, by the way. I know, <laughs> I know. Exist. Yeah, but I think the Game Boy was like 16-bit. Yeah, the so like the GDA, the Game Boy Advance, GBA was was 16-bit. The uh, 2DS and 3DS, I believe, are 32. So this engine that I used to work on only rendered at the 3DS level. If you remember what a 3DS is. If you it don't, still exists. it still exists. <laughs> Look, no, no, no. There are going to be people out there listening to this episode like 3DS. A 3DS was the Nintendo like gaming console that was after the, yeah. it was a handheld. Okay. Yeah. This is really important to note because while I'm sure at this point, Square Enix's Final Fantasy 14 engine now runs at 64 bit, it is likely that it does not. And 
I can tell you that with assuredly having worked for a company that happened to be a publisher, right, with Square Enix. Also note that Square Enix's um, goal for 2020 and onward was that they wanted to reach, I think, 30 million players. Yeah. That was their company goal. When you have a company goal of a player count, it made 100% sense for them to say, hey, we're going to now make this game free. I don't think Blizzard's company goal is to say we want 30 million players because there's currently 20 million players on Final Fantasy 14 across yeah. all of their servers. So much so that at this last fan fest, particularly in the Oceania region of Australia, New Zealand, um, like that area, they are trying to get a fourth server dedicated and have been working through COVID to get a fourth server just for all of the players that they want to be on Final Fantasy 14. Yeah. So think about that. The company value saying we want 30 million people, right? That's 10 extra million people, okay? Yeah. Like that means 10 extra million copies. That's a huge, that's a huge thing. Well, so uh, Nicholas is bringing is, up, he's yeah. like, oh, why is this being a, a big thing? It is the FanFest weekend. So you can get a bunch of free stuff. Well, that was um, a while ago. The fan fest was a couple. Of no, weeks fan ago. fest is still going on for the month. Like, oh, if oh that's you right. Just, yeah. Sorry, the, yeah. The, but all the, like the live stream stuff was a all the live stream stuff was gone. But like, yeah. that's going to peak interest, right? Yeah, but true. with this free trial and everybody tweeting about it, you suddenly realize in your network that like you only thought like four people played, but now you realize five people play, ten people play, twenty friends that you know play, and like you have to start a Discord server because there's like three Final Fantasy 14 groups on like three different servers. And you're like, gosh, darn it. I'm done with all of you. Come in here now. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the one thing that's going to get me on Discord now is this Final Fantasy 14 group. Because that's, started... that's true. Lauren and I primarily communicate in the, the Final Fantasy channel of her Discord. <laughs> yeah. And I started that Discord for like my game dev friends. So we could rant about game dev. And there, I guess, wasn't enough to rant about our AAA game dev problems. But there was enough to talk about with Final <laughs> Fantasy XIV. Yeah. And also to know, I used to have channels for our WoW guild there because I was a guild leader. And nobody wanted to talk about WoW. But everyone wants to talk about Final Fantasy XIV. Well, I think, okay, so, I mean, it's kind of a hackneyed comparison. And it's unfortunately the one that everyone makes, which is the comparison between the other big MMO, which is World of Warcraft, and the emergent big MMO. In fact, Final Fantasy XIV recently surpassed um, World of Warcraft. But the thing is, is that that point that you made about like, so Final Fantasy 14 only has one expansion left. They're going to end the game after that expansion. We're not going to end the game. Well, no, they're, they're ending end the, the first like... They're ending this version of the game and they will almost certainly do like another. Because 14 is already another like Final Fantasy MMO. Because there was 11, which had a decent player base, but not nearly as large as the current player base. So they're probably going to do another one. But the thing is, it will have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Like you will have done A Realm Reborn. And once um, Endwalker comes out and you get to the end of Endwalker, like that will be, it will be a complete game. I think it will be a complete story. I don't think it's going to be the complete game. I think it'll be I a complete think we're gonna, game. I think it's going to be Final Fantasy fourteen too. Well, you heard the predictions right here. <laughs> um, but the thing is... Final Fantasy fourteen too. <laughs> I got. I hope they do not do that because that I did not like ten two ten or X two or 10, however you end up pronouncing it. Um, but the thing is, what what she's giving me this weird face. That's you guys like can't my see favorite this. Final Fantasy game. It sucks. <laughs> that is the best game. Okay, so we are we, going to you do guys are going to have to listen to the 
breakdown of Final Fantasy X-2's amazing mechanics and how it influenced Final Fantasy's 14 job system. Well, here's here the on thing. The Patreon you, only yeah, episode. you're going to have to listen so to the Patreon really, because we're going to argue about this. <laughs> we are going to argue about this. <laughs> but He's going to okay. come around just like with Hades. <laughs> All right. No, I, I, hey, I was the one who got you to come around about Hades. I was, it was the other. No, anyway, no, 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 no. We're not I'll talking about it. Okay. Anyway, the point is, is that sort we're of like, have to listen to that wow, episode again, both of us. <laughs> wow is managing its decline. That's really fundamentally what is going on. Like, they they probably wouldn't admit this, but like the game doesn't really have a direction anymore. Like, it doesn't have that end goal in mind, which is fine because like their whole, I guess, ethos is to k- keep producing expansions, keep producing like extensions of that now a really old game, like. The original, like, Vanilla World of Warcraft came out in 2004. So this is a really old game. And they're going to keep producing new content for it until the it is no longer economically sustainable. So WoW will continue to exist in some form so long as it is making money for Activision Blizzard. But the thing with the way in which 14 is designed is, like, they have a clear... Even if Lauren is right, even if there is going to just be, you know, a 14-2... The thing is, narratively, it is it has like the, the structure of a novel. And the thing it and the reason for this is because the director for 14, Yoshida Naoki, like he values narrative and the people that he promotes and whose work he like really sort of champions are people who do narrative well. And a really good example of this is the current lead writer for the game who originally started out as someone who was writing um, basically job quests. So she originally started off doing the job quests for the the Dark Knight, which is from the first expansion. And she did that so well, and Yoshida took notice of this, that she was eventually consistently moved up, and so that now she is the lead writer. And I think this is an important thing, because like I personally can't name a lead, like a writer from like world of warcraft like i could name like you know the big names in terms of like who's involved with the production but 14 really does put its writing and its writers dead center and it puts its voice actors dead center it takes all of these people who do the so-called like softer aspects of game design which really are just a different hard aspect of game design and it puts them center stage and i think that's really great because I think that's its primary appeal. Like, because the thing is, with the free trial, you can basically play a complete Final Fantasy. Like, if you absolutely, play, yeah, if you play all of a Realm Reborn through the end of Heaven's Word, that's a whole Final Fantasy game, and that's great. Like, Final Fantasy games are good. <laughs> we like, yeah, them. and you don't honestly like you don't actually have to play with any other like say humans or people that you are aware of, like you really don't, because even though there are group activities called dungeons, yeah. um, and then in order to complete, I think, a Realm Born and Heaven Sword, you do have to go into these things called Alliance Raids. You can yes. queue into those completely individually. You don't have to talk or trade on the auction house. You don't have to make like a million gil in that first, um, in that first, like a Realm Reborn. You can just make 300 or 350. Which, uh, just FYI, they stole from Swotor's free-to-play model. I didn't know that. <laughs> by okay. the way. Okay. But they did. Yeah, because Swotor has a free-to-play model as well that uh, Final Fantasy XIV actually implemented very well uh, at last year. And I loved seeing it. Yeah. Um, especially as a former Swotor player as well, um, you can get kicked from Groots if you don't skip cutscenes. But in Final Fantasy XIV, for content that 
you can or cannot skip cutscenes. Uh, you're not allowed to like kick members from the group. No, just a side rant. Um, because when I when I notice things that are actually done well in some other part of the industry that nobody's talking about the older public as an MMO anymore. Um, that when we talk about WoW and we talk about Final Fantasy fourteen, you can absolutely play an entire narrative. And it is a narrative where you are very centralized, like as you are the main protagonist, like yeah. in other Final Fantasy games. But it does a really great job, I think, that's even better than what we have seen in um, in like other RPGs or other MMOs, even like some stuff from Perfect World, where you're like the hero or you're like, um, even if you're an adventurer, like you're a soldier, there's like some sort of narrative where like, or champion, I think is what they use in World of Warcraft. Yeah, now. champion. Um, and in Final Fantasy fourteen, they do a really great job of saying you're an adventurer. And honestly, in the narrative, just tying in the little, little game mechanics, like we need you to get like seven of your friends to go take on this guy. Yeah. And the concept of having multiple adventurers in a space is just innately a part of the narrative. And so when you come back and they're like, wow, we can't believe you made it. It's implied that it was you and your friends. Yeah. Right. And then you create these really great emergent narratives. So we don't talk about a lot of narrative design is in World of Warcraft's narrative design. You do your quests, you go on these adventures. They have a lot more single player kind of focused cinematic pieces now that they've tried to take from Skull They have more, more of it, yeah. Right? But when you even look at Shadowlands, like it's just more of the same rote, like get all the quests, complete all the quests, go back, experience a cutscene that isn't really impactful to you. But yeah. what's really funny in Final Fantasy XIV is if you engage with the mechanics and have friends that play, say that are already level 80, and you go and defeat Shiva with your big dad Roe, and he just like beats up Shiva, and then you come back and you're there like, wow, we can't believe you survived. And like secretly it's because you were unsynced. They were level 80. You were level like 56. Yeah. And just you just you. watch them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just watch them pound on Shiva <laughs> for a little bit. And they were like, wow, that's I I can't. That was so hard for you. It was yeah. you put your life in danger. And you're sitting there like totally silent because it's the silent <laughs> protagonist trope and you're just like yes yes i did <laughs> well, <laughs> right and, thing- and that's hilarious yeah, yeah. right and that, those are the narratives i live for like i don't know about you i do well, love I my for- single player games but like i actually live for the narratives that are kind of asynchronous to what the narrative is saying but still harmonious because it makes sense in the context that even if yeah. the, the other person doesn't know how you won they just know that you won Wait, when? Wow. When, is, that when fast, you <laughs> is that the fast form of one? Though? No, it is All not. Right. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So, like, 14 <laughs> is capacious enough as a game where, like, I play completely differently. Like, I am obsessed with the main scenario quest line. Like, I just do it. And, you know, occasionally, like, I'll run dungeons with Lauren and, you know, some of our friends. And so, like, but I can do the other things. But, like, the way Lauren plays the game is fundamentally different from the way I play the game. And the thing is, the game is big enough for both of those things. And for me, the thing that I really appreciate is... So, like, both games use, in terms of their quest systems, they use essentially, like, a a wheel-and-spoke structure. So, in WoW's case, like, you go to a zone, like, and then you're, you're you're at a particular, like, 
you know, hub. And then at that hub, there's a bunch of quests and it will send you off in different directions, but you'll still have to come back to the hub to turn things in. And then you move from hub to hub. So right, many, and that's a hub yeah. and spokes design. I know right. you said wheel and spokes. Oh, did I say wheel and spoke? Oh, you did, but he meant we, hub and spokes. Because we had been talking about wheels. We had been here. talking about the so, pottery wheel a little bit yeah. before this. That's so. a 40, that was a Freudian slip. I apologize. It was, yes, but it's a hub and spokes design. But yeah, the thing, is, actually, but I think a wheel is also a, a good way of thinking about this. Yeah, because, I think I think that was because the difference is that valid. like in in WoW, you go from one hub to another, but the hubs don't really feel connected to each other. And it's the same way with the zones. The zones don't really feel connected to each other. You're, you go there and there's maybe a really interesting story within the zone. And there may be a really interesting story like at the hub. You know, if you think back to original vanilla WoW, like the Westfall quest, quest line, like there's an entire story within Westfall. And that story culminates with you going into the dead mines, fighting Edwin Van Cleef. But then the thing is like, what does Westfall have to do with Duskwood? Duskwood is literally the zone right next to it. You can even accidentally go into it just because you're you're running around. But there's no through line that connects them. Right. And actually, I think that's what happens when you take like more of an artistic approach. And this is nothing against arts, like artists or anything, because I work with a really, I mean, I work with an amazing, talented environment art department, like I thought I worked with a talented artist before, but right now, like, I can't talk about anything, but man, like, I'm impressed, okay? <laughs> when that game comes out, you're going to be so impressed, guys. I, oh, man, you've got, well, yeah, I, I'm talking it up now, but honestly, even if you're not, like, I still will be, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, because it's not just the caliber of art, it's, like, the work attitude, the environment, yeah, 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 like, yeah. feedback, right? And I love, like, I love art, but, like, when you look at a let's put art first or let's put getting 50 different types of zones in or let's get these types of yeah. environments in. Well, suddenly that's like not putting your focus on the narrative or those connected pieces, right? You get amazing pockets of story in Duskwood, which is an, an alliance zone, everyone. Um, you get amazing pocket of stories in Westfall. But then if you go to the Barrens, you get a bunch of like, I mean, it's the Barrens. It's flat. Yeah. There's really no level design. And you can kind of see that they didn't put a lot of effort into it. Now, they could have put a lot, like, maybe the effort was equal, right? But in terms of just, let's just call it writing and storytelling, right? Like, that's be how it became a meme. Like, we got to go find Manfred's wife. Oh, nope. <laughs> yeah, we found her. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So, no, no spo I mean, I guess you can't spoil it anymore, but something not. Oh, my gosh. 2004, now. people. Yeah. If you were not born uh, <laughs> before 2004, then this may be a spoiler for you, and we apologize. And if, you, if you're listening to us, though, and you were born after 2004, I think you should think of yourself as highly intellectual and sophisticated, and you should subscribe to our Patreon, yeah, <laughs> um, where we'll be more intellectual and highly sophisticated. So the point that I was going to make is that, like, 14, just for... So here's something that you guys have to bear in mind. Like, we're not haters on WoW. Both Lauren and I have played too much World of Warcraft. Yeah, I went Far back to classic. Much. Yeah. And we have both played a ton of 14. So the thing is, we're, we're talking about this from the perspective of we have done a lot of both. And we're reflecting on what would have been nice to have in WoW now that we have played this more modern game and seen like the, just the basic quality of life things that could have been there. And as someone like myself, who's also played Star Wars The Old Republic, so I actually stopped playing WoW, and I played The Old Republic for just about as long as I had played WoW. Um, I was actually a founder of The Old Republic. So that means I got it on day one, and I immediately paid for the game, which was $60. And I paid for the subscription, which was $14.99 a month. Um, I say that because you're like, oh, it was under 15, right? I paid for that. And I paid for that all of like a summer. 
And I, I didn't encounter the bugs that people like did because it was also it came out like at the end of the semester. So I had to like during that buggy phase, I ended up like having to take my finals or something. But I say this because SWOTOR did so many good things Yeah, that a lot of and SWOTOR came out in 2012, just so that we have a clear timeline that WoW didn't do. It allowed for the same choices structure of like the famous Bioware games, right? It allowed you to have light and dark side points. It did the classic quests and storytelling really well. Everything was completely voiced. So your actions and the choices that you made kind of made you feel like you were a part of the Star Wars universe. And what I really liked were their dungeons. If you played them with a friend or even if you could also play them completely solo, they were just like a major part of the quest. And they were always replayable. So you could farm loot. You could farm light side or dark side points. You could switch back and forth as much as you wanted if you wanted to get a certain outcome. And the end game like was actually like pretty decent. I stopped playing after about a year just simply because I was like, this is great, but there's no more content. When they rebooted yeah. it about two years later in 2014, there were a lot of quality of life things that I saw so- somewhat like the challenge log in Final Fantasy 14 that was kind of in SWOTOR as well. The zoning and how everything was connected where you had to travel between different planets, just like in a Knights of the Old Republic game, that was brought in. And it's because you did have a very fast travel mechanic. Yeah. Something that WoW never really instantly still, got still doesn't have and still, still doesn't, doesn't yeah. have yeah. is a fast travel mechanic. It's got mounts. It's yeah. got your hearthstone, right? But here's where I think Final Fantasy XIV's quality of life fiction narrative, as well as like the travel and traversal mechanic, is that because they have instant fast travel, you can go anywhere you want in this game. Like within three seconds... And like very little load times enables them to tell stories that make the universe and the world of Eorzea feel more connected. Because you can go from a major city called Ulda, right, all the way to another major city called Gridania. And those are actually at complete opposite ends of the map. And they, they can, you can go however you want. Maybe you want to fly there. Okay, that's great. That would be like flying the whole continent of Azeroth just for clarity yeah um versus kalamador but like it would be like flying over that entire zone which is what you would have to do in wow well but the thing is there's also it's also not it's not just the 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 basic quality of life of like the whole etherite system but also the fact that like there are narrative can because you you travel between etherite nodes i i say etherite but (laughs) i don't know which one of us is correct i think it's anyway but the point is that like it's not just that there is this there's not just a system but there is also a narrative structure for that system so yes. for example like when you start out the game and you pick your class and you pick your you know your race and so forth like let's say i don't know so i started as a white mage which you actually start as a conjurer and then you turn into a white mage eventually so you start off as a conjurer you're in gridania which is this sort of like foresty druidy type city that's more natural and the first sort of narrative arc that you go through is learning about the sort of the city and the immediate like surrounding area. And then once you complete that, the way the game gets you to understand that you're part of a larger world is that you become like the champion of your city. And then you get sent as an ambassador to the other cities. And then you do things there. And then through that, it, it sh- instead of just saying like, you know, giving you a quest where it's like, oh, hey, go to this city and turn in this thing. Like 
it's doing it in such a way where you feel like you're you have risen up to a level in sort of like the social hierarchy where now you are expected to communicate with these other cities precisely because you are now a more important person in the world than you were when you were a character first starting out. And the reason why I was reminded of this recently is because when I got to the end of Heaven's Word, or actually it's it's not the end of Heaven's Word, it's the it's the um, the quest line in between Heaven's Word and the beginning of Stormblood. There is a there is a quest where you do this grand melee and you actually then have to fight this company that is made up of like soldiers from all of the other starting cities. And I was like, wait a minute, I just realized something like the whole reason I was in Ishgard, which is the primary city in Heavensward, is because I was kind of functionally an ambassador there. And so now like that thing that like I was made to do in the very beginning of the game has this obvious analog in this thing that I was doing through this entire expansion. And like the thought that it takes to keep those things connected, to keep like the world expanding in such a way where you feel like you're part of a social system within it, that is amazing. And that takes a lot of work. That takes really great writers. And the game just has really great writers who can do that. Full stop. And here we thought we were just going to be talking about, right, Final Fantasy fourteen, and you guys were just taking us on this journey as we were going to rant, right, and rave <laughs> about this. However, what we realize is that the reason why Final Fantasy fourteen works as an endless structure, and this is why I would say it would be Final Fantasy fourteen too. One, on the account of marketing, it is easier, as we have established in this yeah. podcast, to market something as a very similar game if you use the same <laughs> name, yeah. a la Assassin's Creed. Yeah. But also on the premise, right, that that narrative and that thoroughfare kind of bloodline and history from the years of playing Final Fantasy fourteen is the narrative of Ludo narrative, right? It's those yeah. narratively wrapped systems is is what brings this game to life because you understand and recognize that you were an ambassador in Ishgard. And honestly, even if you don't understand that, it still feels and propels, like there's something about it that feels more organic. You're like, okay, yeah. this makes sense. And a lot of times when people say, well, that doesn't make sense, it's in a, a game, especially with a game narrative, is that they're rec not recognizing that there's this inherent disconnect between the narrative that you are being, say, fed or told by the designer, right, and the narrative that you are playing. Overwatch has this problem, which is why you've seen Overwatch lose out some of their players to Apex, which arguably has less of a narrative, uh, character-driven narrative than, than Overwatch by leaps and bounds, as well as Valorant, yeah. which is another uh, game that Overwatch has lost people to for many reasons, right? But that Overwatch, even though its character-rich narrative is much higher, um, Valorant and Apex have a narrative for their arena fights that match a lot more of the actual character narrative and the other stories that they're trying to go to. Yeah. So even though their cinematics are all on YouTube and like that's how you get the story in these games is like you go watch YouTube. <laughs> um, but even still, right, players are like, well, it makes sense that I'm fighting in Apex. It makes sense that I'm fighting in, um, right, in Valorant. But why am I fighting another Widow in Overwatch, right? Yeah. Valorant's latest trailer is trying to answer that. Well, why am I in Ishgard in Final Fantasy 14. Because right? like, you're a refugee. Why? Because you're a refugee, <laughs> yeah. right? And it it kind of shows that, it sets it up, uh, and it's done very, very nicely. And even there are even moments where people I don't remember from my early days of Final Fantasy 14 will come back in later in Harder Dungeons to remind you yeah. of the people that they were there. 
Now, as a game designer, I'm just like, yes, reused assets. Not everything needs to be custom, <laughs> right? Yeah. As a narrative designer, I'm like, obviously, reuse assets because characters are all valid and important, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like as a producer or say a production manager, like I'm not thinking about it in terms of right historical accuracy of my narrative or maybe of like maybe I'm thinking production costs in terms of assets, right? Reuse these things. I'm just thinking, hey, do you have content? Right. And if I'm hapless level designer and <laughs> I'm asked to do 50 quests, the last thing I'm going to do is think, oh, well, I can't, I can't do X because I already did X. I can't use this actor because I already use this actor. Oh, am I given a randomly generated NPC creation system? Every NPC can now be different. So there's no reason to create that one that I randomly created. Yeah. And that could even be into the tools where a randomly generated NPC system, and I'm looking at you, Cyberpunk 2077, <laughs> um, which, by the way, is incredibly impressive from a technology standpoint, just so yes. that we're clear. However, level designer A, like r randomly generates an NPC, he doesn't have to save that as a preset. He doesn't have to save that NPC, right? GTA 5, same way. Like you don't have to get connected to those characters. Uh, we could do a whole other episode on GTA 5's role-playing yeah. community, however. Well, I think I think uh, the one thing that we should probably um, highlight before we wrap this episode up and go, move on to the next one is the fact that also... Uh, I like to praise games for what they do well. And there are wonky issues with 14. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying. I'm not a fanboy in that sense, but, <laughs> but 14 trains you how to play the game. And I think that's really important in an MMO. Like it would be amazing. Like if wow had just like the like guild heist system or like the trial system where, or like the job quest that like, if you're playing a tank and you've never played a tank before, like there is a series of job quests that you will have to complete in order to get your abilities that teach you how to play a tank. There are guild heists that teach you how to be a tank in a group. There are little there are little things about like little like visual feet forms of visual feedback that show you like oh hey there's this big orange ring around this mob that I'm fighting why is that oh wait I just took a ton of damage inside of that big orange ring maybe next time I should get outside of it and so the thing is like the game is trying to teach you how to play it and I think that's great I think that's really fantastic the, and, yeah go ahead and Mark. I want to just emphasize the game is teaching you how to play it. There are tutorials in Final Fantasy XIV that pop yeah. up. You can just X to ignore them. But when I say the game and the game systems, Nicholas is pointing out that you can choose to take the guild heists or the loot yeah, quests exactly. that teach you. If you stand in an orange ring, the game is not like, by the way, orange rings take a lot of damage. I think there is a tutorial for that, maybe. There, but, there is, yeah. But you don't have to look at it. You inherently in the game system know when you stand in it and you take a bunch of damage or maybe you even die from it if you're playing like a conjurer or or something that has less health and not a tank. Yeah. You realize that, oh, crap. Like, I need to definitely get out of those. But then by doing that, what the game also doesn't, uh, at least it doesn't teach me as a DPS, is that when I did that, I saw that the enemies are locked into an animation. Ah, okay, now that I see the enemies are animation locked, I can safely attack them from behind. Oh, they take more damage from behind. Ah, now I know how to deal with it. And that's an example of the game's systems teaching you. Exactly. Right? And I think Final Fantasy XIV does a really great job of that as well. Um, so it's the systems, it's the narrative, and it's the mechanics all coming together to make this amazing MMO that we really want you and hope for you to play. I am on the server Zalera. Yeah. That server currently has, I think, a boost still, or it's gone. It, I have been playing over 90 know. days. 
So my yeah. my buff that levels me up incredibly fast is gone. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that, Lauren. And for those of you who don't know, um, we stream weekly um, on Wednesdays. So stop by the stream if you are able to. Um, also, we have a Patreon. Please subscribe to our Patreon because this time around you're going to get a what will be spicy discussion about Final Fantasy X and its, its place in all the other Final Fantasies. But um, until then, we will see you next time. Bye.